Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 63. Today, Andrea and I are continuing our discussion about feeding kids. Let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear. Don't forget, all the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Hey, Andrea. Hey, Beth. How are you? Well, I'm the one that lost her voice this week. I was going to say you sound a little off. (laughs) Yeah, so I was telling my husband this is karma, and he was saying, no, this is just the way, like, that's just the natural progression of things. So last week I was talking about my therapist with, with some emotion I was having. She was like, I think you're just tired. I think you just need to take a break. And I was like, oh, that's probably right. And then Sunday I hurt my back. So Monday I literally just, like, had to lay in the lazy boy all day. The baby got a wicked fever, so I was laying in the lazy boy holding her all day. Tuesday I worked. Wednesday I got the wicked fever, which is, right, par for the course. And so I had to not do anything on Wednesday. And yesterday I, like, saw a couple patients, but I'm, like, still recovering. So if your body's telling you that you need rest, rest. Don't wait until you are forced to rest with back injuries and uh, illnesses. So that's been really fun. Oh, and we had a two-hour delay because we had snow. Um, So that's why. So this morning's a little extra crazy. Sounds like a fun week. (laughs) I'm sorry. I hope you're feeling better. I I am. I'm definitely. Wednesday Wednesday was rough, but I'm feeling much better today. How has your week been? I kind of chill. Nothing, nothing too eventful. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anything really worth talking about. <laughs> Try to think. Nah, nothing that exciting. Boring week over here. <laughs> Sounds good. Boring is good. I kind yeah, of like a little right. bit, a little dose of boring. I know. <laughs> We're also having construction done in our house this week too. So you know, it's just, it's just not a calm week. Oh wow! But. I am excited to get into what we're talking about today. So we talked last week in episode 62 about a lot of the psychological aspects of feeding your children and helping them kind of learn their hunger signals and their fullness signals. And we wanted to go a little bit more into that and kind of progress further with that discussion this week. Yeah, definitely. Um, I realized after our podcast, I was like, we probably didn't give like the most actionable steps. So I wanted to try to do a few more actionable steps. Um, And so I'll just kind of dive right into that. And before I do, I guess, is I wanted to just go over the main concept of what we talked about last week, which was is kind of taken from Ellen Satter's work of the division of responsibility. And so you can definitely just Google division of responsibility and it should come up and we'll link to it. Excuse me. But it's really the concept that as a parent, you're deciding what is going on a child's plate at what time they're eating. And then ultimately that the child is deciding how much they are eating and if they're going to eat. And, and it takes away the battle around food. So your job as a parent is to provide the nutritious food and is to provide this like boundaries around when, when food is being eaten. So they're not just like free ranging on food all day long. Um, but it's up to them whether or not they want to eat. So it takes away that like force, like you need to eat this, you need to eat this. 
um, which creates a lot of psychological issues around food and can even lead to, you know, a lot of weight issues, both in, you know, being underweight and overweight. <clears throat> so one of the, I think, most important ways to start moving towards achieving that is getting on a schedule, like having three meals a day and then one or two snacks, depending on the kid's age and depending on like what your meal times are. Um, so for example, Remy eats breakfast in the morning, usually around 8 a.m., 7.30, kind of depending on when he wakes up. It's not this like, all right, exactly at this time, but you know, around that range. And then he has a snack around 10 a.m. And then he has kind of, I feel like to me, it's a very weird schedule. It's just what works right now. So I haven't done anything about it. Um, he then goes down for his nap from like noon to, th to anywhere from 2.30 to 3. And so then he has lunch at like 3.30. <laughs> and so because of he has such that like really late lunch, we don't do a snack between lunch and dinner because if we do, then he doesn't eat any dinner. <laughs> um, but I feel like that's just a really weird schedule. It's just, we've had no issues around that schedule. So I'm not trying to shift it right now, but, um, that, which brings in kind of the next point of if you're giving snacks throughout the day or too much food throughout the day, they're not going to be hungry for their meals. So it sets you up for this kind of like, you know, feeling that's a failure if you're sitting them down for their meal and they're not eating. I mean, let's just not be eating because they just ate other food. They just had a snack or they know that once they get out of their chair, they can go eat whatever they want. So when you're kind of start being strict on like, nope, don't eat between meal times or outside of snack time, it's, it's going to help move you towards this. How's that all sounding? Yeah. So that made, that made perfect sense. And I know that we kind of do a similar, I think as they get older, it's a lot easier to just kind of follow your schedule. I also think that it's important to kind of pay attention to when your child is most hungry. So you may be trying to get your kid on your schedule, but like my daughter never wakes up hungry. She needs breakfast like a little bit later. So we might be hungry when we first wake up, but she's not. So trying to force her to eat breakfast in the morning is leads to like her eating a half-assed breakfast and then wanting to snack and then we kind of get to lunch and it's just like, it just doesn't set the day up. So I think that it's really important to pay attention to those times when your kids are hungry. I know a lot of people that, well, well, I don't know a lot of people, but I know that people get really frustrated that when their kids come home from school, they're starving and they want to eat everything in sight. And then they do that and then they don't eat dinner. So I know someone that recommended, I just feed my kids dinner when they get home from school. So I feed them dinner at four o'clock or 3.30, or whatever that is, you know, this more substantial meal versus snacks, and then we have a snack later. And actually not eating so close to bed, can such a big meal close to bed can be nice and helpful, and then you're not battling, well, they're hungry when they get home from school, and all of this. And then the other thing I want to mention for, like, the schedule and the hungry when they get home from school is if you have older kids, don't associate... Um, you know, a break with a snack. So if you're like, okay, you can have a snack, but then you have to do your homework. 
they're going to prolong that snack as long as possible. So maybe it's like, have a snack, then you can watch some, you know, have a snack, then you can watch some TV, and then do some homework. They need a mental rest when they get home. And we don't want them to be associating a snack with their mental rest. So those are the two things I kind of wanted to add in, um, particularly on the like after school time for the older kids. I mean, maybe even after daycare, that kind of thing. You know, I know it's not always possible to have dinner ready right when they get home, but maybe they eat leftovers from the day before and you just kind of do that each subsequent day so that you're matching their schedule a little bit better. I love this. And I actually, my sister was telling me that she started doing that with her kids because, and she's like, it has made life so much easier. So that's awesome. I didn't even like think about that. And I also just love the concept of looking at their schedule. I think that sometimes when people hear this concept of like, you're deciding like what and where, you know, where and when they're eating, it feels like the kid doesn't have say in it or they're not influencing it, but they do like this is still working around your child and what works best for them and also for you as a family. So that's kind of why I like Remy has these kind of weird times too. And oftentimes I notice if same thing with Remy, like when he wakes up from his nap, even though he hasn't eaten in like five hours, <laughs> like he, if I feed him lunch right away, he won't eat anything. Like I still have to wait and let him play a little bit. I gotta wait for him to be ready to eat that meal and he just never eats a ton of that meal like very rarely will he and I just know that so I usually make it a little bit smaller and don't expect him to have a lot then but then he eats like massive amounts of breakfast and dinner it's just his his pattern and his body um and, and same thing for us like I wish that his meal times fell with ours and we were eating with him but I'm gonna say right now that is just not the case <laughs> like I don't eat breakfast at 7.30, 8 a.m. Like, that's way too early for me. So I will sit with him and have my coffee. But I don't eat my breakfast until 10 a.m., which is his snack time. So I try to match those up. And then usually I can match up the lunchtime on days that I'm home. But dinner, he currently is eating it by himself because I'm not eating dinner at 6 p.m. Because it's way too early for us and how our schedules fall. So we eat dinner after he goes to bed and we're usually making our dinner after he goes to bed. So he gets our dinner the next day. And it's ideally, I hope we can have family dinners at one point. Cause I know that's super important, but like, it's just not what works for us and his schedule right now. So it's just, it just is what it is. So yes, I love that. Um, and I also want to stress is that when you're moving into this way of eating, there's going to be an adjustment period. And that's where I think that, um, you know, getting yourself on the schedule is going to help with that adjustment period. And knowing that this adjustment period, like anything with kids, it can last a day or it can last for two weeks or, you know, maybe even more. When you're first allowing your kiddo to eat what, you know, they want off their plate and, you know, kind of giving them more access to the food at the mealtime and whatnot, they at first might way overeat or maybe really, really undereat, depending on like where your food battles have fed. And it is just up to you to trust that they are just relearning how to regulate their bodies. Um, so obviously this is a podcast. We are not giving medical advice. So like you have to know your child and you know, if there's any medical issues that are somehow making that untrue, please like take that into consideration. But for the most part, even kids with medical issues are going to fall on the spectrum of you know, when we talked about this last week, they're going to be able to um, 
have a self-regulation. So they still need to learn to trust it. And they might, this might be on a special diet that they're learning how to trust that. And that's totally fine for that child, of course. Um, if your child's old enough to be involved, like have them learn to serve themselves or just, you know, tell you how much, hey, how much do you want? Do you want another spoonful? Or maybe they can take the spoonfuls themselves and put it on their own plate. Um, and then even better, like, you know, I know Beth has talked about a lot is involving her four-year-old in food prep and picking up the food, like the pork chops that she wanted to eat and whatnot. Like let them have a say in what they're gonna get to eat, but it doesn't dictate everything. So letting them have a say doesn't mean they can say, I want mac and cheese and hot dogs every night. But it might mean if that's their favorite meal, then maybe once a week you guys do have that. Or maybe, you know what I mean, you have it alongside other meals here and there. Like you can incorporate a child's likes into this and you should, I mean. Everyone, you like certain foods. You don't want someone just preparing foods that you don't like either. Um, and especially when you're like moving into this, you definitely want it to, you know, if there's a set amount of foods that your child likes, like, you know, start it with those foods and then you're serving maybe one new food and they might not touch that food. And that's totally okay. You know, so maybe they have some peas on the side of their mashed potatoes or whatever that they do like. Let them just look at them and just see them and they don't have to taste them and that's okay just offer them um any thoughts so far beth i've been talking a lot i know i love all of that um and i do i think that it is really important to let kids experience and try and we've also found with my four-year-old we will watch kind of food shows and then try those things so um it's bon appetit i think is the is the company they there's this one woman and she makes like gourmet junk food items so she we watched a video on her making Ferrero Rochers and then my husband bought the Ferrero Rochers and they tried them and she made Lucky Charms and she made Pringles so these are not healthy foods you know or we might not classify them as healthy foods but you know we don't give food a morality but the idea of like watching something being made and then being able to eat it gives them a lot more understanding of what goes into food prep and all of these things. So it, it makes her want to participate more and, oh, can I help mix the batter? Can I help do these things? And it really, really gives her kind of an in into this food. Like, oh, you're doing this? You want to try it? Uh, uh, yeah, okay. And it's true. They may not touch it. I can put broccoli on my kid's plate and have put broccoli on my kid's plate two to three times a week for the past, I don't know, quite a while. She's tried it two or three times. She tells me she doesn't like it. That's okay. We're not at the 15 times yet. I get it. And eventually we might get there and we might not. My husband still doesn't like green beans. I don't know who doesn't like green beans, but my daughter loves them. So my husband has to deal with it when we make them. So, you know, it's a give and take. He doesn't tell her that he doesn't like green beans. I don't tell her that he doesn't like green beans because we don't want to skew that message. But it is really important to just let them experience and let them participate as young as you are willing. We started baking with my daughter probably... 18 months maybe as soon as she could safely stand on a like chair by the counter she was dumping the items in after we measured them out um and yeah i we've been you know i have remy help with meal prep too even it's like if i'm chopping carrots he'll like help them take them and move them to the bowl and whatnot and he definitely um it's just fun to watch him do that and he totally nibbles on the food i do want to say like 
when we're on a schedule and I'm saying no food between, like that doesn't mean like if we're meal prepping or something that he's not like taking bites of food or if I like have a little something, he doesn't get a bite here and there. It's not this like insanely strict, like absolutely no food. Um, but it's just, you don't have enough food for them to fill them up. Um, so what I wanted to um, say also is allowing your kids to experience experiment with the food and touch it and play with it can also be really helpful. So I know there's like this whole like don't play with your food concept, but especially for a picky eater, for them to experience the food through their, you know, touch, just through looking at it, through smelling it, through squishing it, seeing how it slides around on the plate and, you know, how it mashes and whatnot can actually be really helpful. Um, I feel like there's definitely an increase in like sensory processing disorders and whatnot, which are definitely going to make eating a, a much bigger challenge and allowing that play with food and allowing them to experience it in ways that isn't, you know, tasting it yet can definitely help them quite a bit. So, you know, finding that balance of where your boundaries, you know, playing with food doesn't mean they get to throw it across the room, but if it's staying on their plate, then maybe that means they can do whatever they want. Or maybe it means, aside from mealtime, you guys have fun activities based around those foods that they don't like the texture of and they get to like play and experiment with that texture if that's something they want to do. Again, this is like none of this is forced. It's just an open opportunity and invitation for them to like get to experience food in a different way. I want to add um, some uh-huh. like suggestions on that. Painting with mm. food is really cool. So like, um, Kali, uh, I was broccoli you could like use it like a stamp and like dip a little bit in paint and then like stamp it along a picture and uh, cucumber as well will make the like around the seeds will make some neat patterns and even apples the like the right where the core is they'll make some neat patterns in food and you may not want to quote-unquote waste food to do this but you don't have to use a whole of any of it. You can just use it as tools to kind of play with and to use, um, I, I think that painting, you know, where you're talking about some of the sensory play and activities with food, I think that using it to play is also can help um, with paint as a sensory activity as well. I love that. That is such a cute idea. And you know what? I wouldn't look at it as wasting food if it's getting your child to like, start to love food in a different way. It's definitely, you know, not wasting it. Yeah, like you said, it wouldn't take very much of it. Um, touching on that, I think when we have issues around mealtime, whether you are trying to be super chill or not, like your child knows that there's issues around mealtime. So if mealtimes are currently a battle, your child can pick up on the fact that like you're probably getting a little bit stressed around mealtimes because it's like, oh my God, what's he going to eat? This is going to be a battle. And you already know it in your mind. And what that does is your your kid, it makes them like distrust food because they're like, oh my gosh, every time food comes out, mom gets really stressed. Why are we so stressed around mealtimes? Maybe I shouldn't be eating and trusting this food. You know, so it creates this like, I don't know why mom's stressed, but she's stressed so you know, maybe I shouldn't be eating it or whatnot. Like it, it can create this just like weird, like dynamic. A child probably can't ever verbally say that, but it's just this like kind of weird energy that happens around food. So I love that. Like playing with food can probably help, you know, distill that energy down. Um, and anything, you know, for toddlers, 
there's a certain age where they realize that they have boundaries and that they can make mom stressed and that they all of a sudden have an impact on the world. And so it becomes something for them to test. So if, again, like last week I was saying, if you are having battles around food, like things can only be a battle if you're making it a battle. So it definitely food is like potty training is a place of power and like control and whatnot. So if a toddler is feeling out of control in their life, um, in other areas, then they can have a power struggle around food with you very easily. And I want to add to that. Mm-hmm. I, I actually believe that every child is going to have a battle with you about something. And, and I, don't, I don't mean this to be smart, snarky or anything like that. It's, it's these children. It's our children kind of learning their place in the world. They know that they are safe with us. They know that they can test their boundaries with us and they're going to do it with their parents particularly so you may notice that when Josie I'm making up a name here is at grandma's house she eats all these things that she doesn't eat at your house or you know there's there's other things so you have a little bit of say on kind of how you respond to things but also know that there is going to be something that your child will battle so my child didn't really battle food, but we do have the battle with, with potty training. And as we kind of, when the potty training battle goes away, there's something else that she chooses to battle with. So I think that you have, you can kind of arrange your emotions a little bit and kind of kind of rein them in a little bit for some things or the other, but just know that if your child is fighting you on something, that is nothing that, like that, that is part of development that they are figuring out that, oh, this is something I can do and test and learn and just kind of respond to that as best you can. Totally. And I love that. And it's, it's so true. I mean, there, there's, there's always going to be something for sure. And kind of think about what's the, what do you want them learning out of that? So a part of the thing learning about food is in this family, like, you know, whatever your rules are in this family, I'm not a shorter cook. I mean, these are my rules. I, you know, you're eating what's, or you are, you have the opportunity to eat what's what's on your plate. Like, I'm not going to serve you some special meal. Um, And if you don't want that, that's totally fine. Then you have an opportunity to eat at the next meal. Um, And so you figure out what do you want to like teach your child. And part of it is you're responsible for deciding how much you're going to eat at each meal. Like that is part of, you know, Remy's lesson. So. Just, I think getting firm on what you're trying to teach them can be helpful for managing that. (laughs) Um, I know last time you were talking, we got to the very end about like kind of quote unquote healthy and unhealthy foods and like how to manage sweets and things like that. And so one thing like Beth was saying earlier, food does not have a morality. Food isn't good or bad. And there's, you know, there obviously is food that has more nutrition to offer our bodies than other foods. And there's foods that make our bodies feel different than other foods. So around those foods, it's about teaching your child those, those things in a way that makes, puts them in responsibility. So if certain foods, you know, you notice that when you have certain foods, you feel super tired and sluggish or crappy afterwards then it's just like, oh, learning that about my body. Like if I drink a full glass of milk, I get super mucusy afterwards and have to clear my throat a lot. You know, okay, isn't that interesting that that's how my body reacts? And so just letting them identify those things. So, oh, okay, you ate three pieces of cake and now your tummy hurts, you know? Is, could, 
could there be any relation there? And helping them put those pieces together, but not from this like, see, I told you so. Like that's what happens when you eat, you know, eat cake. Cake is bad for you. Um, it's it's just a lot more useful where they can put it together in their own heads and figure out like, oh, okay, these foods make me feel this way. And oftentimes they will then self-select out of them. Like I know my uh, niece who's, gosh, how old is she? She's six now, but she's had issues with dairy since she was pretty young. And she'll tell, like, she's told me on like other occasions when we've been out, I've been out with her, she'll be like, oh, I want cheese, but cheese makes my tummy hurt. You know, she's like, so maybe I shouldn't have it. And so it's like as young as four, she was putting that together in her head. Like her, like her mom wasn't restricting her from having cheese. She, it was like on her plate and she's like, no, I don't want my tummy to hurt, you know, and making that decision for herself. And obviously if they have like a severe allergy, that's, you know, that's different. Of course you have to then help them understand why they can't have it. Um, and then making foods that are, you know, these quote unquote less nutritious foods not turning them into treats or things your child has to earn because it kind of frankly seems a little silly that you'd have to earn a food that's going to make you feel crappy. So if you are, if you guys are going to have dessert or something like that, either decide that they just get it no matter what, or you're going to even feed it with their dinner. So there's times where I'll put like a handful of chocolate chips on Remy's plate with his dinner, just cause like he's already, let's say I'm like already have them out and he's seen them. Like I'll just put some on his plate and then he often will totally eat them all first. And then he'll usually eat his other food. There has totally been a time where all he ate was chocolate chips and, and that's all he got that meal. And that was, that was that. <laughs> um, but really once they start having to earn food, you create, you start to create those battles around food. And then you also start, they start learning that like, you know, food is something to be earned and that starts creating food psychology issues later on in life. So I think it's possible to have special foods and have foods you don't eat as often without it being restriction. So for example, every Christmas we have like duck and dumplings and cabbage and it's just like this big special meal. I love it. I look forward to it every year. And I could make it any day of the year if I wanted to. There's no restriction around it. It's just the special thing we do on Christmas. It's like a fun ritual now. So I save it for Christmas for that reason. And I've totally made the cabbage on other days. And I think I've even made duck before. But you have the whole meal together. It's just a special thing that I reserve for Christmas. So I think it's possible to have foods like that where it's like, you know, in this family, we have ice cream Fridays or it's just like really fun thing that you have it around. And it's not that it's being restricted on other days. It's just, it's the special thing for this day of the week or on your birthday or whatnot. Um, any thoughts around that, Beth? First of all, I love that the Jewish girl has a special meal that she saves for Christmas. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I also wanted to add that if you have done treats, it's okay. Because we did treats for a while. We used treats for the potty, which, you know, in the short one was great, worked really well, and then didn't. And so we came away from it, and we no longer do them. And for a while it was, no, you can't have a treat for going potty, but you can have a treat just because. So she would then go potty and say, I, can I have a just because treat? You know, because she's a smart cookie. And um, so, you know, we went away from that. We still, I will admit, we're still not great about the dessert with dinner versus after dinner, that kind of thing. Um, 
but we're getting better. And in reality, she's going to get it anyway. So, and she, she kind of knows that. And she has this bin that has, like, every time there's a holiday or there's, like, treats at school, like Valentine's Day or Halloween or that kind of thing, and we get it. We just, they all go in the treat bin, and they're always there. And she knows that they're always there. She does not ask for them every day. She doesn't even ask for them every other day. There's a couple days she might ask for things, like, in a row, and then she won't ask for anything for a while. But it's always accessible. I think it's important to kind of remember that what whatever you have in your house is the only things that your kids can ask for. But there's also a certain point where them knowing that this is always in the house makes it less of like this extra special thing. Oh, well, we only have, um, you know, M&Ms at Halloween. So I better eat all the M&Ms that I can now because I never get them the rest of the year. Where it's like, well, they're always kind of in there. So whenever you actually want one, you can have them. So you don't aren't like focused on it and thinking about it. So I I think that that's important to remember as well. Totally. And I love that. Um, and yeah, I love the, the tip on, you know, if it's not in your house, they can't have it. So it's like, if it's something you truly don't want them eating, like don't buy it. Like I'm never going to buy Ho-Ho's or Doritos to be in my house. Like those are my boundaries around food. Like I don't want them in my house. I don't want them in my body, not because they're like this bad food, but like, I don't like how I feel after those. I don't like want to support those companies. Like, I don't want that. I'm allowed to choose what I'm spending my money on. <clears throat> but if I was like out at a picnic and there was a bowl of Doritos, I would probably eat some. I would not have a homo though. Those things do not taste good to me, but that's, and that's why I'm having it because, or not, I'm not having them because they don't taste good to me. But if someone offered it to my child, and he never had one. Like, I wouldn't be like, no, you can't have that. That's bad, you know, because that's like, whoa, why can't I have this food? Interesting. This makes mother really upset. Like, why is she so emotional about it? I better figure this out. You know, it's just like, all right, cool. Like, whatever, try it. You know, I can still choose not to buy it. Um, but maybe that means whenever he goes to his friend's house, he does have one. Um, and it's just, it's what it is. And you don't make it like forbidden fruit because then all of a sudden he'll want to go to Timmy's house all the time because he gets ho-hos at Timmy's house or whatever it is. Um, but when it's not this battle, then, you know, it's, it just takes that like polarity and emotion and like charge out of it. I, so, yeah, um, I, yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to say that I completely agree. And one of the ways that we kind of go around that a little bit is we, we kind of choose the, brands and I love that you said the brands that you want to support and the ones that you don't want to support so you know I will definitely choose the brands of treats and candies that don't use uh, artificial food coloring um, that's something that I found we all do a little bit better not having uh, you know red 40 and among other things and um, high fructose corn syrup so those are the two kinds of things that we tend to avoid on the things that we will purchase and keep in our home I also wanted to say and I forgot to mention earlier about how uh, food makes us feel one of the things we realized early on is that chocolate makes my daughter really like revved up and wide awake so we have talked to her about that she can't have chocolate before bed bedtime because it just keeps her up and it makes her hard to fall asleep and so she knows that so when she wants like a dessert or a treat after after dinner or you know in the evening she's like you know I can't have that because it's chocolate but I can have that instead so we make sure that there's other options available because we have all found that 
it makes her too wired. So she loves chocolate, but she just knows that she has to eat it earlier in the day. So it's not necessarily a restricted food. There's just certain times of day that we've explained to her and she now understands why and she agrees with the reason. So I think that's also something to place keep in mind. If your kid gets really wired after sugar and candy, maybe it's, well, you know what, you can have these things, but they make it hard to go to bed. So let's have them earlier in the day. Yeah, I love that. That's such a great example. And speaking of chocolate, I did have a little example because Remy is a chocolate fiend. <laughs> and so I definitely had some struggles around this. And I still do because it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, this kid might eat the entire bag of chocolate chips if I let him. Like, And I have those things of like, oh, my God, what's going to happen if I let him eat the entire bag of chocolate chips? Like, he's going to feel sick. He's, you know, he's not old enough to know yet or, you know, whatnot. And so... One, we try to just keep it out of sight because we've realized where we had it in the pantry, he could see it. And so every time he would see it, he wanted it. And the issue was he was seeing it at, not at snack time or at meal time. So it wasn't even about, oh, you can't have those because they're chocolate chips. It's like it's not meal time or snack time. That's why you can't have it right now. It had nothing to do with the fact that they were chocolate chips. Um, and oftentimes on those days where he was seeing it and really wanted it, I would put them aside and I would say, okay, you can have some at snack time. Like, oh, I see you really want them. And then I moved them. So he wasn't seeing them every single day. Um, and, and then I, I started, I gave him, I, when I was serving it to him, I would give him like a heaping pile of chocolate chips. And at first, like when I was giving it to him, because he was like never really allowed to have them, he was like seriously taking like the biggest handful and like shoving it all in his mouth. Like it was like this kid was like, oh my God, I'm never going to have this food again. And it definitely like made me anxious. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of like, oh my God, like what's going to happen? And then like after a few days or like kind of doing this for a few servings, it wasn't every day that he had them. Like he now will like just eat one at a time. Like he's way more chill around them. Um, it's not this like, oh my God, because now he knows he just gets them on some day and he's pretty much allowed to have however many he wants and he doesn't really eat as many now. And now he'll even like leave some left on his plate and like eat his other food on his plate too. Whereas at first he wasn't like, he was only eating the chocolate chips and eating like a massive amount and then like just walking away, not eating anything else for a snack, but it regulated out. And so that's the important part. It is totally scary when you're seeing that, like it was for me too. But it regulated that. Like I just had to trust. I'm like, okay, if I'm teaching this process to other people, like I need to do it and I need to trust it too. Um, so I just wanted to add that. And I, I do something a little bit differently because I just, my control issues, right? Giving a heaping pile. But I will leave the bag out and I will give some. And if she asks for more, she can always have more. So, you know, it's, hey, you're going to start with this. If you want more, just let me know. So she has to keep requesting. I do not say no. I keep giving. But then she gets that brief second to think about, oh, do I actually want more? Because I do think that there's something about, I mean, even if we're not trained that we have to play, clear, clear the plate, especially when it's something that tastes so good, that's so hyper palatable, you kind of want to clear the plate. So it's just, yeah, here are some, you might eat some at a time and then, oh, you want some more? Here you go. Here's a few more. So I am still not restricting it, but also not giving the giant handful if you're not, if you're not as brave as Andrea is. No, that's great. And actually the only reason I did that was because I was doing what you were doing and like, I felt like he was like grabbing as many as possible. And I was like, maybe he just is scared that this is all he's going to get. 
And so I kind of switched around, but it probably could have worked to just keep doing it. And also way. my daughter's think, four and a half yeah. and he's what? Is yeah. Almost two. almost two. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever works, honestly, I think both are like fantastic ways. I don't think there's a right or wrong way at all. Um, and then I also wanted to touch on, I'm just like touching on like things that I know are still like issues around for us around food. Um, I know the other foods that he tends to want is we have like a giant stack of RX bars in the pantry. And for whatever reason, he like loves them. They're not even that good. (laughs) But, um, anyways, he really likes them. And then he like likes his like puffs and like the squeezy pouches and all those like super easy foods, which we have in our pantry for, like when I need to, we need to go shopping and it's going to be around his snack time or like we're going to be out and about and out of the house when it's his snack time or just to have something, you know, just in case, um, you know, we get stuck somewhere or whatnot. Like I really try not to eat them in the house for cost reasons for our family. Like financially, like I cannot afford to like feed him, you know, a snack pouch every day. Those things are freaking expensive. <laughs> so, um, he, you know, will definitely ask for them and whatnot. And he sees them, he kind of freaks out and like then wants it. And I just tell him like, okay, it's not about you can't have this. I'm like, you know what, this is just for when we need an easy snack to put in mommy's purse. So I'm not like getting my purse all dirty, you know, with your other foods that you're having or your smoothies that we make for you and whatnot. And he seems to be better about understanding this. Um, so it's like, again, it's, it's almost like, okay, these foods are reserved for when we're out and about or like, if he has snack time while we're driving around and whatnot. That's when he gets to eat those. Um, so it's like a very, you know, good reason why he doesn't get them. Or if I'm really lazy and I don't feel like making a snack, then he gets those too. Because um, that happens sometimes, of course. So, you know, I just wanted to add that piece. It's like trying to make it about like something, like, uh, you know, a reason other than like, oh, these are, are, are good for you or oh, these are, you know, just a special food or like a, you know, a limited food, like have a good reason that they can understand why you're not eating those. And then also we put a lock on our pantry door and that solves a lot of problems because then he just can't see it, period. And that helps a ton. It solves problems until they realize they can push the chair over and then unlatch it. Oh, no, we put it as high up as possible. Like, I can barely reach it because he already pushes the chair over. Oh, he was doing that. Like, he pushes the stool over to the pantry and will climb up. And that's where he's getting the chocolate. (laughs) Like, oh, my gosh. And I, uh, by the way, I have a thing with him. Like, if if we leave the pantry open and he gets into food and whatnot, like, because he'll do that sometimes during, like, like, around snack time. He, like, likes the plantain chips, you know, he knows they're in there. And when the chocolate was still in the pantry where he could reach it, um, if he got into it and it was like, cause of my fault, like I left something out or whatnot, like I just let him have it. Like, I don't know. I like, unless it was something for some reason that like he could not have, like, I'm not going like, to snatch it away for him. You know, I would like let him finish the couple he had in his hand and then take the bag away or whatnot and be like, all right, we're going to put these away. Um, but to me, it's like, you know, when your child's getting into food, if they're not supposed to be, like, that's on you as a parent. Like, to me, I'm like, well, that was my fault. I left the pantry open. So I feel like, again, not punishing them for it or just snatching it out of their hands or whatnot um, definitely has been helpful for that and then figuring out a way for them to not get into it. Definitely. And we actually put all of my daughter's, like, the snacks that she's allowed to have are on a shelf that she can reach. So that they are like her accessible snacks and she loves the Ella's kitchen bars. I think they taste like cardboard. They have no added sugar and they're small. So they don't ruin a meal. 
and she loves them. So like for the, we're not as strict on the like travel versus not, but um, like her quote unquote treats, they are like on a tire shelf behind the cereal boxes. So she can get to them. Like she pushes a chair over and gets them, but she just doesn't, you're right. She doesn't see it because if she walked in and saw it every time she went in there, it's going to trigger like, Ooh, I want one of those. Whereas she can have one if she asked for it. Totally fine. But she has to think about it. So I love all of those suggestions. We are, I think we gave us some really great actionable tips this week to kind of follow up with the psychology and things behind it last week. Is there anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I mean, I think just knowing that the, the overall concept really, I mean, in theory should work for pretty much any child and just knowing you're going to have your that own issues at implementing it, you know, like you're going to have your child specific issues. And so just, you know, working around those. I'm going to give a super quick example because I just thought of it earlier of like a ridiculous, you know, issue around it. Um, my patient was telling me that her high schooler only wanted to eat a hot lunch. And so, and he was bringing him his like whole lunch home every day without eating any of it. And so she stopped giving it to him and she's like, all right, if you're not going to make your, like, if you're not going to eat your lunch, I'm also not giving you money. Or, like, I think she would give him a certain amount and, like, had limitations on, like, he couldn't get pizza or soda because she could see what he buys. And um, he apparently just decided he wasn't going to eat then. And she's Latvian, so she's a little, like, hardcore. So she's like, fine, that's your, like, he's a high schooler. Like, that's your darn problem. Like, you are capable of bringing your own food if you want. But, like, I'm not giving you lunch money when all you're eating is pizza and stuff. So she said he did this for eight months and then the school called her and she had trouble for not sending him with money or food. And they like, were like, do you have issues? Like we're going to, whatever. It, it turned into this whole ordeal because she was trying to be like, no, he just only wants pizza. But the school was like, in a way, basically got a threatening to call CPS on her. So she had to then send him with food. So basically she was like, I freaking lost because the damn school like wouldn't let me not send food with him. So there are issues like that. Like if someone's threatening to call CPS on you, like then you just might have to give in. But like, and you're going to have your own battles and whatnot. But point being is just work around it, figure it out. And um, definitely if you need help, reach out. Like this is what Beth and I are here for. Like we can help you work around those issues and, you know, working with your child to help them understand. Um, and like, you know, basically how to learn how to come out of, you know, whatever eating pattern you were in. So yeah, that's, that's all I have to say. I love it. And please make your high schoolers make their own lunches. I've started making mine, I think in middle school. So, you know, you make it, you take it, you can bring your own hot lunch as a, as a, you know, those thermoses are great. So I just wanted to add that. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. Next week, we're going to have a special guest on to talk about organization. Follow us on social media for news, updates, and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Pizza Real Eats, and Andrea, Dr. Andrea Moore, on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com. 